Hey friend, if you are tired of feeling tossed around by the busyness and heaviness of life, if you've had enough of that sneaking suspicion that you just aren't good enough, good enough for your kids, your husband, your friends, your dreams, or your to-do list, if you want to be done with feeling rushed around from one half to to the next, then I want to invite you in to Unshaken Rain. Because frantic, frazzled, and pushed around by life's worries and trials and fears, that's not who you are, sister, and you don't have to put up with it anymore. You are a daughter of God. That means you are royalty. You are uniquely positioned to spread hope and peace here on earth. Listen, I know that this life is full of twists and turns and disappointments. I know that the heartache can feel absolutely crushing. I've totally been there. But that is not what we are defined by. I'm done with that place, and you can be too. So come find freedom from the heaviness. Get immersed in the truth of who you are and discover the practical tools you have available to you so that you can stand steady in the face of life's uncertainties. You are more than a conqueror, my friend. You totally rule. I'm Corey Halleck, and this is Unshaken Rain. Hi, welcome to episode three of Unshaken Rain. Today, I'm going to be talking about your identity. Now, previously in episode two, I talked about the thoughts that we entertain about ourselves that attack us and undermine our worth and our validity and basically just shut us up because we start to agree with those thoughts and we get small. And I really felt in that episode a little bit like the crazy person on the side of the road with a sign that says, we're all being lied to, because it's really true. It's actually the truest of all conspiracy theories. There is a conspiracy to undermine your identity as a chosen, free, welcomed, honored daughter of God. It's been going on since woman was created, and that is what we're going to talk about today. So last week, I just, yeah, put up that sign. We're all being lied to. And now I want to start the discussion of, so if the enemy is lying to us and trying to get us to believe lies about who we are, then who are we instead? And who does the Lord say that we are? Now, I think that many of us who have been around church for more than a hot second have an understanding that we are children of God. We know that John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And Ephesians 1.5 says, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Now, by the way, because of translations and stuff like that, most of these verses are going to say sons. But we are women, and I think it's safe to switch that to say daughters instead of sons. So I'm, so <laughs> I'm going to restate Ephesians 1.5 to say that you and I, through the work that Jesus did, are predestined to be the adopted daughters of the Most High God. However, it took a while in my life for me to fully realize the impact of what that means. Somehow I was okay with being a child of God, and I put that in air quotes, which you can't see because it's a podcast, but I knew it was really 
I really thought of it in the sense that kids can be kind of annoying and they don't know as much as their parents and they need correction and boundaries and stuff like that. And I just had this minimizing kind of consta-guilty view of what it meant to be a child of God. But if we are God's children and he is the king of kings, then that makes us royal heirs grafted into his divine family. So I jumped into scripture and I started digging around. What does the Bible say about my identity? And I found a lot. So I'm about to preach a sermon, people, okay? This episode is going to have a good deal of scripture in it because I really wanted to dig deep into what God says about who I am. So here we go. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he, Jesus, would be the firstborn among many brethren. Christ Jesus is the firstborn of all these brothers and sisters, us. We are his brothers and sisters. And Jesus openly and willingly made us co-heirs with himself. And then in 1 Peter 2, 9, we are called a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Now, our identity as priests or priestesses is something that I want to come back to also. But here we are called royal. And finally, in Galatians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Because you are daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a daughter. And if a daughter, then an heir through God. We have been called out of our former identity as slaves to sin and bondage. And we have been called in to the Lord's family as sons and daughters who are so close with him that we can call him Abba, which is like calling our dad's daddy. Now, you might have a difficult time accepting this kind of closeness with the God of the whole universe. I know that I sure did. I had friends growing up who called their dads daddy and they would say like, I'm his little princess. And uh, frankly, I thought that that was weird because growing up in my family, while we loved each other a lot and I knew I was loved, we were just not a very openly affectionate family. There wasn't really snuggling on the couch and we never called our parents daddy and mommy. Um, and I, I never would have referred to myself as my dad's little princess. That just definitely wasn't our style. We were, we were, you know, free range kids out on the farm. Um, and our, our bonding in the evening was playing games of murder, actually, which is like a, a terrible, like little card game kind of thing. <clears throat> so consequently, Thinking of myself as God's princess felt cheesy, and it was foreign for me to consider him as my daddy. In fact, I would go so far as to say that it even felt borderline disrespectful to approach God with that much familiarity. And yet it's right there in Galatians. The spirit of his son, the Holy Spirit, comes into our hearts and cries, Abba, Father, just like saying, Daddy, I need you. Now, when our girls have nightmares, they almost exclusively call for daddy, which I'm totally fine with because I'm usually all snuggly and warm in bed and I'm asleep and I don't really feel like jumping out into the cold and running into their room. 
But my husband, no matter how tired he is, no matter how much his body is hurting, and sometimes that's a lot because of his health journey that I'm sure I'll talk about more later. But no matter what, even when it's, you know, mommy and daddy snuggle time after the girls are in bed, winky emoji, when he hears their, you know, whimpering little frantic voices crying, daddy, he immediately hears them. They have his ear. My friend, we have the ear of our Abba father. And when this life feels like a nightmare and we cry out for him, he does hear us. We aren't just like princesses in a cheesy, we get everything we want kind of way. In fact, I don't think of us as princesses at all. We are much more than that. We have authority. We aren't up in our towers still waiting to be rescued or waiting to be married off to the prince of some strategic neighboring country. We have already been validated, saved, placed in position, and our bridegroom Christ has already spoken for us and promised himself to us. We are queens, and just like Queen Esther had favor to walk directly up to the throne of King Xerxes, we also have favor and authority to walk right up to God's throne of grace and talk to him and ask for what we need. Now, maybe this doesn't change much for your life and your attitude and your overall demeanor, but it has changed a lot for me. Because if I am royalty, a co-heir with Jesus, a daughter and a queen of the Most High God, then how does that affect how I conduct myself? How does this flavor the words that come out of my mouth? How does it affect how I think about those around me? And getting really real, how does it affect what I think about me? What does it mean on days when my kids are little wackos that I'm a queen? How do I speak to them? And what does it mean that they are little princesses in the Lord's kingdom? How about when I'm fighting with my husband? How does a beloved honored queen have an argument? How easily does she forgive? And what does she do about the pain she has caused? What does it mean when I notice a friend who is hurting or someone who needs a kind word in the grocery store? What does it mean when my order at Starbucks is forgotten and then when they remember, they still make it wrong, even though the order was just a tall black iced tea, which is like basically the easiest drink at Starbucks. And the whole thing is just time consuming and annoying. And can you tell this is a real story? How do I speak as a queen to that barista? And again, this is not a spoiled, selfish queen. This is a queen on a mission to spread the love and wealth and forgiveness of her father. And then how do I respond as a queen when I am attacked, either by accusation from another person, accusation from the enemy, or perhaps the most sneaky kind of all, accusation from myself. When my identity is called into question and someone is unkind to me or I'm unkind to myself, how do I respond as a queen? I am not a pushover. I will not live under anyone else's definition of me other than that that has been spoken about me by my divine father himself. And he calls me redeemed and pure and chosen. And if I start for a second to listen to those diminishing accusations, I will lose my potency and authority as an ambassador of my father. I want to really encourage you to take some time 
to meditate on what your father has said about who you are. Read those verses that I shared again or search scripture and find some more of your own. Smack them up on the walls all over your house. Hang them over your sink so you can see them while doing dishes or, you know, the ever classic bathroom mirror trick. Smack them right up on there. Do whatever it takes to engrave into your heart the truth of your identity as a queen. I am still working on this, you guys. Honestly, the the part I'm still working on currently is the self-deprecating, unempowering thoughts that I find myself entertaining about my worth. And I understand the concept, right? Um, but as usual, the battle is in the walking it out. I know that a queen never doubts her identity. She will always be a queen. And while she may need to grow in grace or understanding, her identity as a queen will never change. And it's not dependent on her actions. My friends, you don't lose your queenness on days when you're grumpy or super disorganized or fighting with your husband or whatever. You might not be walking in your queenness very well, but that doesn't negate it. So take a moment Look around you, in your home, in your job, in your mothering, in your wifing, in your serving, your grocery shopping, your exercising, conversation, laundry folding, in your toilet scrubbing, in your cooking, in your mirror. You are a chosen queen of the God Most High. And he suffered excruciating pain in order that he might graft you into his royal family. You are connected irrevocably to the life and power of the kingdom of heaven. Your inheritance is secure and your authority is deep rooted. Now, I know, I just want to put this little caveat in here. I know that the term queen is used for some very different things in our culture than how I'm using it right now. But that's just too bad because it is the truth. So I'm not going to disney my identity and mark myself as a not fully qualified or established princess when God says I'm more than that. I'm not going to hide from the term. Um, so that's why I'm just using that. So take a moment and imagine this. You are a queen married to King Jesus, walking out the front gate of the castle owned and established by Father God and given to you. And in your hand is a bag of gold coins that he gave to you so that you could go out into the kingdom and do good. And as you look around, you see people in need. You see people who are dirty. You see people who live in fear. They have lived under cruel rulers for so long that they don't know how good your Father God is. But when they look up at you, they see hope. You smile back at them and you remember the little bag of treasure in your hands and you think, where do I start? I know it's a little bit cheesy. Just go with it. My friends, let's be queens on a mission. Let's move about our day with authority and grace, secure in our identity and resting in the knowledge that our father is for us and with us and behind us. I hope you find this encouraging. I hope it inspires you and helps you to walk and talk with intentionality and purpose. You, my friend, are a freaking queen. May you reign boldly. You totally rule. And I'll talk to you later. 
All right, friends, that's it for now. But I would love to interact with you and get to know you more. So come find me on Facebook or Insta. Let's hang out. If you loved this episode, give it a like or a share or both. And be sure to leave a review on iTunes so that others can find us and be part of the fun. Thanks again for listening. I'll be back soon with more Unshaken Rain. Thank you.